This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Robert Feckus at Nurser330 on Instagram. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt, and with me today is recurring co-host, Mr. Robert Fickus. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. Good. Going well. How'd you feel about the Patreon recording we just did? It was good. Good, good, good. good. Uh, for those listeners out there, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, we, <laughs> listeners. Listeners. We recorded a special bonus uh, little 20-minute recording for Patreon where you can get access to that RSS feed with that recording plus tons of other ones at uh, patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Uh, this time we talked about Legos and Fekus's uh, devastating, devastating loss. Yes. To the, his Lego uh, village. Still, re- still re- rebuilding. Yes, yeah. yes. It's gonna be a long process. Yeah. Well, our our hearts are with you. Thank you. Um, you have our thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts and prayers aren't gonna rebuild my Legos, Matt. <laughs> yes. Uh, but your generous donations, listeners, to Patreon will not go toward fact. Yeah, right, it'll just yeah. go into my bank account. But still, it's fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need any help funding my Lego habit. Okay, well, don't tell them that because they can give me money. And uh, yeah. but Matt needs help. Yes, because my Lego, I like. He's got no needs. Legos in here. I know zero. Oof. I His brother be- even has Legos. He does. I bought him Legos for Christmas, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bought him the Vegas Strip. I think. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, today on the podcast, we actually have a few things to go over before we get into our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood review. Um, kind of a couple things I'm going to spring on you. But first of all, today on the podcast, as I said, we're going to be reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The, uh, very, uh, I would say highly acclaimed, um, ninth movie from Quentin Tarantino. I don't uh, know. I've, I've not read reviews. Oh, inter- Oh, it's getting a lot of good, like reactions and stuff some bad reactions which we'll talk about because i'm very curious to see what your read is on that but uh but yeah it's it's been getting a lot of rave reviews um so i'm looking forward to talking about it with you but first actually i I haven't seen it yet but uh that's 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 gonna cut out um the best part was when they had the with oh god what's his name uh i don't know colombo was talking to um, i don't know i was trying to make a princess bride reference oh. once upon a time anyway uh that went nowhere so i did want to bring up a piece of news that came out uh like you probably at this point a couple weeks ago or a week or two ago i don't know i haven't read that much about the inner workings of it but i kind of felt like maybe it would be our duty to kind of comment on regal unlimited uh the new have you heard about this i uh, only from what you've posted, and okay. I wasn't even in, I didn't even in depthly read into it. Like that's what I want to preface preface this with because I know that I know that on, in your case there's there's 
very little that would convince you to. No, there's over. there's like, nothing that's nothing. gonna convince me to yeah, switch over. Unless like right across the street from you, there was a Regal that right. was built, and it has nothing. Um, I have nothing against Regal. It's just yeah. straight proximity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and <laughs> I wouldn't even say same with me because it's not well. Okay. Uh, and this is funny because we talked, uh, I think on a, on one of the first Patreon ones or in an episode where you talked about prisoners being very so- savvy with their stuff. And like, I kept thinking like, this is a tangent, but like, uh, I, I kept, I always think like, oh, that'd be cool if like prisoners could like get podcasts and stuff. And I brought that up on that episode, but then like you had said like, they're very crafty and everything. And I was like, there's enough personal information about me in the span of the six years of this podcast that someone could probably find me and murder me or steal my identity or something. Probably. Yeah. So I'm going to make that easier for them. So where I live, <laughs> um, there is, I, I frequent AMC theaters. There are two to three different AMCs that I frequent. Um, well, really there's two, but, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, well, I don't know. In, in the vicinity, there are three close by. They range from like, around eight to nine miles away. Um, I always go to the one nearest you actually on the South side, the farthest one. Oh, you uh, don't go to uh church point. I do sometimes, but if I, if I, since I go see movies with Kirsten all the time, she lives on the South side. Oh, okay. Uh, we go to that one. Plus I prefer that one cause the seats are a lot more comfortable. The traders point ones are terrible. Oh, I have not. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I was at church point. Yeah. It's, the seats, because they're not the full, rec- like they're, they're reclining like that, but they're not like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like they recline back too far and it's just one button to recline. So it's not like you get, you can't like, can't adjust, adjust the, it. Yeah. You can yeah. adjust like the legs without adjusting the back. Jackasses. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> which is the name of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> you can't adjust the legs without adjusting the back. Um, I don't know what that means. Anyway, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, but there is a Regal four miles away due west. Like it is, I used to go there all the time before subscription, subscription services became a thing. But even, even though that is a thing, like that's close by and everything, I still won't go to Regal Unlimited because A, I am very happy with AMC A-list. Um, B, that Regal's not great. <laughs> I, Again, it's been years since I'm yeah. with that Regal, but last time I was there, I just remember it just not being pleasant. It's it's really not like the sound, like the speakers aren't good. Like the la- I don't remember the last time I was there. Um, <laughs> this is a somewhat of a deep hole, maybe Deepwater Horizon. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So, but like this. Oh no, no, no Molly's game. But uh, the sound, just there's a buzz in like most of the theaters. Like the seats aren't that comfortable. Um, the one good thing to it is that the AC is always always cranked, and I love that because I love just being cold. Um, <laughs> I prefer that over being warm. Uh, but yeah, I still wouldn't do that. But anyway, just for the sake of conversation and about the just the general uh, wave of movie subscription services and stuff. Uh, basically Regal Unlimited, the way I understand it is you get, uh, unlimited movies. Um, I want, I don't know if they have a limit to like, like per day or anything. Am, I, yeah. Or per week. No, they, I don't think so. It's hmm. definitely not per week, but they might have like a limit of one per day, but I don't even know if they have that. I think it's like truly like unlimited. 
but uh, there's an upcharge for like 3D and IMAX and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, there are different markets. So like the lowest market is 18 bucks a month, which isn't bad at all. No, especially um, for unlimited. Yeah, and I think I think Indianapolis is like 20 bucks. Um, which is, still isn't bad. Yeah. Um, you get perks like uh, kind of the same. Uh, actually, I don't even think AMC really does this, but like you get. Uh, well, yeah. You, okay, yeah, they do. Sorry. Um, AMC, you get like uh, the chart, like you the stubs points. Yeah, the stubs. You don't. You get the stubs points for the membership fee each month, and then at concession, like the cost of right. a large is this is the cost of a medium for regular people <laughs> for the normies <laughs> yes but with regal i guess you get like 10 percent off all concessions or something like that yeah. which isn't bad um but what i what i'm really excited about about this is a like i like there's there are no there's there's no circumstance in which i would find myself having a regal unlimited thing unless amc goes under um, like that's the only scenario. Um, but I'm excited about this because it is twofold. One, it's bringing more people to the movie theater, um, which is always great. B, it is making it so that AMC A-list is no longer like a monopoly on this right. thing. So like they have a check. <laughs> I'd also say it's also an indication that AMC's A-list is actually being successful enough Absolutely. to people want to mirror it. So. Yep. Which yep. may, leads me to believe that AMC is not going to get rid of it anytime soon. Same here. Like, I was legitimately concerned because AMC, around maybe four or five months ago, I noticed in the pre-roll where, it's, where it does like, oh, join AMC right. list and all that. I noticed that maybe my memory, maybe it's like a, um, is it the Mandela effect? Uh, maybe my mind's playing tricks on me. Uh, I think that they used to say it's nineteen ninety nine per month, like in the pre roll. But right. then suddenly, like the next time I went there, they stopped saying the price, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Okay, after they have their first year, they're gonna jack up the price. Well, it hasn't gone up. It hasn't, and which is which is great. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for that, and I think that now that Regal has entered the game, they're going to right. some be price hesitant. competition at least. So yeah, like I think they'll be hesitant to. Um, to increase their prices without, like, I don't know. It'll be kind of a kind of think of it as like the nuclear weapons of of the world superpowers. <laughs> They're the turn the deterrence from yes. escalating. Yes. Yeah. So good good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to make an analogy of something that's so not important as movie theater going, but yeah. Um. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, nuclear arms are important. I know that, but anyway, you can't hug your dog with nuclear arms. <laughs> Jesus, uh, that's true. That's from Family Guy. That's that's right. Oh yeah, okay, yep. Um, but you can't hug you you can't hug your movie ticket stubs. Am I right? <laughs> no, because it's all electronic. <laughs> that's true. You can hug your phone though. Yes. Did you, you notice that. that on the AMC app now? For some movies, at least, if you go back in and go to your like history. It'll show you. It'll say like, um, revisit, revisit the trailers that played. So like you can see like the trailers that played before the movie. Oh no, I didn't. Really? Yeah, yeah it's it's pretty cool. Oh, it, fair it's good for like because if I like, oh, what the fuck was that movie called? <laughs> or like, oh, I remember seeing that movie and I just don't know what it is. Um, yeah. So 
Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's Regal Unlimited, sort of. <laughs> Go to regal.com. If you're going to check out Regal Unlimited and you, uh, here, okay, if you are going to try out Regal Unlimited, please, like, write in, send an email to mattatobsessiveviewer.com and, uh, let us know how it goes. Cause, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up about that, like, I would totally, 100%, get a membership to Regal Unlimited for, like, one month. To test it out, just to see how, see what it's like and everything, just so I could report on it here on the podcast. Um, but <laughs> the downside of that is that when you sign up, if, unless I'm mistaken, it's a year long commitment. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which. That'd be a waste of a lot of money for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like AMC had a three month commitment when, when right. we both signed up. And I was like, okay, well, I can't cancel after three, uh, I can cancel after three months. And like, okay, that's fine. But it's like, okay, <laughs> fucking year. That's, that's kind of a big ask, I think. But yeah. Yeah. For unlimited movies though, so. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, MoviePass is still circling the drain. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So speaking of movies and speaking of, People that are in love with the um, movie theater experience and have an old Hollywood. Uh, let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good segue. Yeah, I was gonna. I was really gonna try to. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, shoehorn in a feet fetish joke in there too but i couldn't i couldn't connect the dots there yeah um, the shoe doesn't fit <laughs> uh yeah uh he does love his feet uh not maybe not his feet i don't know but women's feet he anyway, probably doesn't love his feet he probably doesn't yeah. you know um and this is this is i mean this is just not intellect nothing we talked about is really that intellectual <laughs> but uh god i don't remember if i've said this on any of the other episodes but man he's such a weird looking dude uh quentin tarantino yeah, yeah he, he's he's an odd looking fella he is um yeah so anyway once upon a time in hollywood we're gonna do a non-spoiler and spoiler review for this feature film uh so um yeah i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and read a plot summary courtesy of imdb and we'll go into our non-spoiler review. do it uh, a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. So, Fekus, we have gone on record saying that we're both excited for this movie. How did you feel going into the theater and how did you feel watching the movie and in broad terms, how did you feel about the movie? Going into the theater, I was extremely excited. I had a lot of anticipation for this movie. The trailers looked fantastic. It's Quentin Tarantino and it seemed like a very Quentin Tarantino film about a subject matter that he is in love with. So, in my mind, how could I not love this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the movie, it took me about 20 minutes to get into it and it and the only reason i say that is because i had a different different idea of what this movie was going to be like Mm -hmm. and then once i was in the movie it wasn't meeting that expectation and about Uh. 20 minutes in i got a feel for what kind of movie this was going to be and after that my enjoyment skyrocketed and i walked out of the theater loving it nice uh yeah so i it, it's funny because during our retrospective i 
I feel like this, I hope that this came across, but I was kind of walking a fence when it came to Tarantino. I'm trying to reconcile like his kind of flashy stylistic filmmaking with the my perceived lack of substance to the storytelling of it. Like it's very clever storytelling, but didn't have like I hadn't seen a movie from him except for Inglorious Bastards and I guess The Hateful Eight too to an extent. Um that had a lot of substance to it. It seemed more stylish. So going into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was kinda I had my reservations about it. I was kind of like I was excited for it just because there was no reason for me not to be judging from the trailers and the hype surrounding it. But I was concerned that I was gonna walk out of it thinking like feeling like kind of empty about it. But I'm very happy to report I freaking loved this oh, movie. Oh nice, very nice. It was it and <sighs> very few movies have actually brought me to feel really get a feel for the era. Yes. And that's what this movie oh did. My God. It owned the era. It really did. Like I I wanted to live in this movie right. for so much longer than the like two hours and forty minutes. Which I can't wait for the extended cut because oh, they've yes. they there's gonna be an extended cut and I will watch the God, crap out awesome. of it. Uh yeah, I I can't wait. Like the even even uh, aside from the the setting and the, and the way that he built this vision of the golden age of Hollywood and everything, um, from the story and character perspective, this movie delivered what I feel like I've always wanted out of a Tarantino movie. Like it's very much a stylistic story and everything, but there is so much substance to the characters that Leo and Brad play in the movie. Like that, their bond is like, I don't, I don't think I've seen two characters in a Tarantino movie have that much. That chemistry. Chemistry. Yeah. Cause like the closest one I can think of is Jules and, and, uh, um, oh my God, what is, uh, Vega, Vega. Yeah. Vincent, Vin- Vincent. Uh, in Pulp Fiction, but that was all kind of predicated on the dialogue and the the cleverness of the dialogue, not so much to an extent, not so much the the kind of bond of the two hitmen, but like these two like actors like you, like the, they were friends. Like they you, were friends. you just got that immediately from the yes. interactions. Like these two guys are genuinely friends. Yes, they were friends, and they each had their own their own thing, like their own kind of living their own life exactly. intermingles one another. Yes. Um, and I think it was like, first of all, the casting of Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt was perfect. Like they played it so perfectly. And apparently they thought so too, because yeah. apparently they had a great time on set and became friends. I so. saw that. And I, I want more of them. To right. I, I do. It was like, I, I want these guys to make nothing but movies with each yes. other. Yes. Um, so satisfying. And let's, let's talk, cause we'll, we'll talk about this aspect of the movie in spoilers. I'm, I'm obviously positive, but Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. She's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Like she, she did a fantastic job and I really respect Tarantino's writing for her character because she is, it's on one hand, it's, it's very respectful right. to her legacy and also it is she's she is a conduit for us to really fall in love with this era that Tarantino's depicting and it's just it was just it was 
really, really well done. I guess there was a lot of interaction between Margot Robbie and Sharon Tate's sister. I read that. And yeah. uh, Tarantino as well. So mm-hmm. apparently she was kind of apprehensive uh, from the beginning about her uh, por- the portrayal of her sister. But, I, you know, it's always good when they have somebody that was close to the subject matter totally. be there for kind of a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, liaison sure. or influence or just... A reference point. So yeah. uh, I, I'm glad that they had had that opportunity. And yeah, she was just you fell in love with her. Like she mm-hmm. she was so good, so bubbly, and just just oh, really yeah. seemed to pull in the feel of that era too. Yes, and uh, there's one pivotal scene with her that we'll talk about in spoilers, even though it's not really spoilers or anything. But uh, there's a scene with her. I'll go ahead and say it. it's her in the movie theater. Yeah, that I was like this. I was like, the, when you see her watching herself on screen and like reacting to the audience reacting and stuff, I was like, this is like a level of care and, um, uh, I guess pathos. I guess um, from Tarantino that I don't think I've seen in any of his other movies. Um, like it's just it's it was so well done. It, was, I, it I just it. Real, it felt like a really loving mm-hmm. tribute to her. And uh, <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't really uh, um, mean to laugh at this, but there is. I was browsing Amazon Prime, and there is a horror thriller movie. Uh, if you want to apparently see the uh, other side of this. Called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Oh. Uh, which is, uh, on IMDb, the score out of 10, or the user rating out of 10 is 3.1. Oh, sounds good. Yep. Uh, stars Hilary Duff as Sharon Tate. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, the trivia I just read was, um, actress Sharon Tate's sister, Deborah Tate, has stated she does not support the Hilary Duff movie about her sister's life. Uh, Deborah said it's been exploitative since day one. It's been the case since the media went crazy and has perpetuated mistruths, making things even more salacious. And there's more to it, but I won't read more. But yeah, that's apparently available on Amazon Prime. Interesting. Yeah, or it might be on Shutter. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the way Tarantino handled it was magnificent. Yeah, I very really, delicate. And yeah. Just, yeah. Well done. Yep. And I think that it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition because, like we've talked about in past episodes. He is a very exploitative director and yeah. everything, and it's just, it's a weird, maybe not, maybe weird is the wrong word, but it's a, it's a unique twist on the expectations of, of him as a filmmaker. I think it also has to do with the subject matter because mm-hmm. he's very outspoken about his love for cinema, and especially yeah. in this era. So I, I would expect him to have a delicate hand or mm-hmm. with something like this. So yeah, I think it really shows. I agree completely. And, uh, <laughs> um, I I laugh because of the Bruce Lee part. Oh my god, that um, was so, it was one of my favorite scenes. Oh my, so great! Like even though it was in the trailer, like the like in my head, I've I but not not nearly oh, no, no, as no, much, not nearly enough. Yeah. Um, but the the line in the trailer where he's like, "My hands are registered, registered lethal weapons." weapons. Uh, I, I just, get into a fight with somebody, they die. <laughs> I go to I jail. Go to jail. <laughs> If anyone like, accidentally kills anyone in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Uh, phenomenal. Like, and that whole sequence was fantastic. Oh my god, it's um, so. And it the way it ends with him just chuckling, going, 
Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that just, that's perfect. Yes. Uh, it caught some backlash from the family of Bruce Lee. Apparently. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, I can't blame them yeah. because it does make Bruce look kind of like a pompous ass. Right. Uh, which I, I don't know a whole lot about Bruce Lee. Right. Except for the fact that he is a world-class mm-hmm. uh, martial artist. Yes. And I, that he got his ass kicked by a stuntman on set. Oh, is that no? Uh, oh, I was, I, was, yeah. I was like, is that based on something? No, no. no. Oh, um, but yeah. So I, I, I get it. You yeah. know, that's. But he, on the other hand, it's not like this right. Is a biopic it's it's of a Bruce movie. Lee. Yeah, it just, it's it's one scene in a movie, and yeah. he's a he's a side side character, right? So and honestly, like I don't know if in the marketing or anything if they said that he was playing Bruce Lee. Like I didn't know until he, he said was Bruce. he was on the set of Green Hornet. Oh, okay. So yeah. he was Bruce well, Lee. Well I'm not I, I know that he was like I didn't I didn't catch up with it until they referred to him as Bruce. Um after he kinda got his ass kicked a little Did bit. Did you not know from the trailer that was Bruce no, Lee? No. I didn't I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> I mean he looks just like Bruce I Lee. Know. I don't I, know how you missed that. I will admit something uh don't think I've ever seen a Bruce Lee movie. That's fair enough. Yeah. I want to. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but that was a fantastic scene. Um, let's see. What else can we go in non spoilers? What did you think of the trajectory of like the character of, of, uh, oh God. Oh my God. Leo. Um, uh, Rick Dalton. Oh, I, he had a great, first of all, you have a great introdu- introduction to this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go, first of all, you get some movie clips with him and then his, uh, uh, scene with Al Pacino. Yes. And the devastation of that meeting afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's fun introduction to somebody because you don't go into this movie thinking that you go into it's like, oh, he's a giant movie star, but right. you don't know where he is in his career until you actually get into the movie. And then to see like where he goes from that with his uh, shooting of the TV show the, the next day, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a great trajectory for his character. Same here. And, and then with his uh, decision to go overseas to do the spaghetti westerns. Yes. Uh, lo- I loved every minute of it, honestly. Like, it was just his, like, that scene... Uh, the scene with him and the child actress. Oh, b- before they're shooting. Yes, yes. Yes. That's such a good scene. Like that was what maybe, maybe, well, no, that's like one of the standout scenes yeah, for me. That was fantastic. That so little girl incredible. was amazing. Oh my God. She was fantastic. Yeah. And like what I kind of respect about the movie is that it's. It like the movie isn't about his relationship with her or anything. She's barely in the movie. Right. Same with like Al Pacino and a bunch of other characters. Yeah, there. there I mean, a lot of a lot of big names in this movie. A lot of big names having mm-hmm. short uh, roles for the film. Uh, absolutely, and I think that that goes to the feeling of bringing us into that world because we're following Rick Dalton right throughout this like time of his life uh in hollywood and it's like if it's if he has numerous interactions with all these people it would be bogged down it would bog down the atmosphere i yeah. think um yeah and it just it it just oh um, like i got to a point where i had remembered i thought that i saw someone say that this was quentin tarantino's dazed and confused because it's so steeped in the era that it's depicting and like around the time that Brad Pitt, why can't I remember his name? Cliff Booth, uh, 
picks up the hitchhiker. Um, like I was just like, this is this is exact. Like this is the era. Like he's depicting this era right. so beautifully. Oh man, the, when they get to the ranch, yes, that uh, that entire sequence is is fantastic for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, you're kind of on edge. Oh yo, yeah, because you don't know what's going to oh, happen yeah. to him there. You, yep. it's like you, you're almost thinking like he's in fucking danger right what are you doing oh yeah and And we'll reveal we'll talk more in spoilers but but go ahead sorry but but yeah the the interaction was with all the people there especially the his last interaction with the guy yes oh it's so good it's and his confidence never wavers throughout the entire thing and he's uh, brad pitt's so amazing he is he's just fantastic Um, i will say this as a side point i will uh critique the authenticity of brad pitt's physique you don't Mm. keep that physique by drinking beer after beer and eating uh macaroni and cheese for dinner just doesn't happen (laughs) bullshit but it was 1969 though does that I don't know. Uh, calorie was still a calorie in 1969, man. Well, I actually, <laughs> someone that I used to know, uh, told me that, like, uh, told me that they didn't believe in calories in, calories out. Like, just, they didn't believe it. I'm like, that, that it's science. It's, yeah, it's not something to believe. Yeah, like, it's like saying, I don't believe in gasoline exhaust out yeah, of my car. It, exactly. It's, it's, like, okay. That's, Basically, uh, anyway. Uh, fair um, enough. Yeah. You believe what, what you want. Yes. Uh, on this flat earth of us. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that sequence, like, I think I, I can't, like, um, I can't cite this or anything, but I think I read that Tarantino has said at some point, at some point in his career, he has said that he, if he had the, uh, the funds or, or if he had the backing to do this or the inclination, I guess, I don't know, but he would want to do like a full on horror movie, like full, like 100, like completely just judging by how that scene was handled. I think he would do a very good job. I, I really do too. And it's not even yeah. a horror scene. It's just an on edge scene. Just tension. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, just spectacularly shot. Just mm-hmm. even from like the kind of wide shot of him walking up to the, to the house. To, yeah. Uh, to like her face being kind of obscured by the, uh, by the, uh, by the screen. Just like little bits and pieces like that is just so intense. Um, and then the reveal when he gets to the room, I'm like, the way it's shot is like it from the hallway and like far away. Like it's just, it's magnificent. Um, but we'll talk about like, yeah. the rest of that scene in spoilers. But uh, how do you feel about the depiction of the Manson family? I I see. I can't sit here and claim to be any type of expert on mm-hmm. the events that happened that that night. Same. But I loved the depiction. I, mm-hmm. I, I is it accurate? Maybe I don't know. But that would be about how I would have pictured them yeah. to be. So. I meant also with like the ranch and everything, like the way that they're depicted, just in general. I that's what I'm talking about. Like it's a it's a hippie commune. Yeah, Yeah. that that's pretty much how I would have expected it. Um, But I thought it was fantastic. Like it very, uh, you got that very bohemian lifestyle amongst this uh, Mm -hmm. group of people that are you know to the normal person are are, are a bit delusional of their surroundings and yeah. i i loved it like mm-hmm. the characters are very well done um, this isn't this isn't meant to be a tangent or anything but speaking of uh, delusional people lena dunham was in it too <laughs> so 
I didn't know she was in it until the news article about her uh, molesting right. Brad Pitt at the premiere right. came out. Who was she? Where, where was she in? Uh, it? She was in. She was in the comedy. She was in the. She I was, figured that was probably yeah, where she was. Uh, yeah. Um, she's a, a mess. I anyway. James James Marsden was in that too, but his uh, I think his role got cut. Oh really? Oh, that's yeah. a shame. He's gonna be in the Stan miniseries. Is he? Uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um. Yeah, uh, there's a few people that got their. Uh, oh yeah, there, there was a lot that ended up on the cutting room floor. Dang, I can't wait for that extended. Oh, I know. Has he officially said that there's going to be an extended? Cut? I thought that that was a news article that came out about okay. a week ago. Yeah, I'm all for that because I guess shit. they said the original cut was like four and a half hours. That makes that makes sense. Yeah. Um, anything else in non spoilers? Um, just that. No, I don't even want to say anything about yeah. the. Um, how about the? Did you catch the Easter egg of uh, Antonio Margheriti? No. Um, when he's talking about Leo's uh, spaghetti westerns over in Italy, mm-hmm. uh, they are talking about some of the filmmakers he worked with, and one mm-hmm. of the directors was Antonio Margheriti. I don't know who that is. Margheriti. I. You'll have to jog my memory. Inglorious Bastards. Oh my god. Okay. Yep. Fuck. That's awesome. So. Also, Antonio Margheriti was also a real filmmaker of the spaghetti western uh, genre. But it was funny because, you know, Margheriti, he was also Antonio Margheriti in uh, Inglourious Bastards. Okay. Who was, you know, because he's supposed to be an Italian filmmaker then, Mm -hmm. supposed to be Italian filmmaker from, yeah. Gotcha. So I thought that was a fun little uh, little Easter egg. I, wow, that is awesome! I did not catch that. Yeah. God, and I and I just watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not too bright. Matthew. Yeah, it'll yeah. happen. That's why I dropped out of school. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you don't have Patreon, that's a surprise. But <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that uh, yeah. Uh, this, this is just one of those I. I think I'm really gonna have to strive to see it in the theater one more time, Me just too. because there's gonna be some things that I lo- I want want to rewatch, be- mm. you know, before I inevitably buy it, just yeah. to be able to see it in the big screen. But I I just I love this movie. Me too. Like it was just it, it was a good atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it's just it was just a fun era, fun, fun topic. So totally, I, totally, um, yeah, and and we'll have to go into spoilers because there's. There's so much that I want to talk about, um, because it, like, as much as I love the atmosphere and everything, the last like thirty to forty-five minutes honestly blew me away. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. I did want to touch on some shitty takes that I'd heard about online. Uh, there, well, I mean, technically, I guess that would be covered in spoilers. Yeah, let's talk about that. Call spoilers. spoilers. Yeah, so we're gonna go into spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So check the show notes for the timestamps. St- timestamps, if you want to skip around, we I we we haven't been doing pulpery section, so we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, if you want to avoid spoilers, now is the time to turn off the podcast. So uh, we're gonna go into spoilers. Here's a clip from the trailer, and yeah, then we'll go into spoilers. Are you an actor? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me! So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. 
hired you to be an actor, Rick, not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Alright, spoilers on for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, you want to just dive into the ending? Yes. Okay, so, this, I, I loved it for so many reasons. How did you feel about, like, the reversal of the ending? I loved it because I didn't expect it in the least. Mm-hmm. Like, I was expecting a historical depiction of the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to get the feeling it was going to change gears when Leah goes out there and yells at the uh, guys in the car. Yeah. And then from then, once, you know, they broke into Leo's house, I was yeah. like, okay, well, this is going to be obviously changed. And even then, I was like, well, he's going to slaughter Leo and Cliff. Right. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I, it. It was just, it was such an amazing scene it like from start to finish yo totally like first of all just to get this out of the way uh ever since seeing it uh randomly in my apartment whenever i look at pizza i go uh, <laughs> to try to get to it get her get her to attack something when she does yeah, she's not gonna no uh we're working on it but uh, i love the kind of subversion of of what he did in this in this sequence so before like in the lead up to it as they're narrating was it was that kurt russell yeah it's kurt russell with him narrating like what's going on and like like very slowly like going through pretty much narrating from the point they get back from italy up until the end of the movie yes uh like right when it's like a not right when it's about to happen but like when we're getting to like the end of that uh they they're talking about i think sharon tate or someone in someone in that house watching tv and like there's a close-up of the screen of the tv and it's like an announcer saying like all right now what you really want and yeah. now what you've been waiting for and like that just stuck out to me like i love that he did what he did because it felt to me like he was communicating to his audience saying like uh like doing the kind of switcheroo of of having the having having them go and and confront cliff um, in the house, like I feel like that was Tarantino saying, like, did you guys really fucking think that I was going to just <laughs> gratuitously show this heinous murder? Like, like no, I have mo- so much respect for that. Like, what the fuck are you guys thinking? Like, go ahead, here's your gruesome exploitation stuff, but I'm not. <laughs> but it's going not what to you expected. That. Yeah, and it's also like that was on one hand, and I was just I I loved every minute of that um, because it felt like he was fighting back. And fighting for the era that he loves. Yeah. Because it felt like, okay. This is, this is what I really wish would have happened. This is the punishment I really wish I could delve out to these fucking jackasses. Yes. Here's me just completely destroying monsters. Um, and, and, uh, um, uh, hypnotized monsters, I guess, or, you know, converted delusion. Yeah. Um, and in the process saving like the, the symbol of like what this era is all about right preserving this era of hollywood that has been that was massacred and and left um 
1969. Um, I just, and then also, and then on the other hand, um, uh, that final scene with Rick and Cliff when he's like, hey, you're a good friend. I'm like, I actually got like a little choked up at a Tarantino movie. Like, holy shit, this is exactly what I've wanted since fucking Pulp Fiction. Um, so, and then him being kind of, Ushered into to uh, the Sharon Tate's, Sharon Tate's house. house, yeah. Just oh, just so beautiful. And every moment from the start of like, first of all, when they break into uh, Rick's house, mm-hmm. you get that tension again, and you're like, oh man, God. oh, it's just gonna go sideways, and you're yeah. just like. This cliff is like you're just, stoned out you're of his just, mind. Right. He, he's he's tripping. just tripping on acid, and yeah. you're just sure this guy is going to shoot Cliff in the face, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be heartbreaking yeah. until the kick. Yes. Yeah. And it, then I was like, okay. Be careful I, doing that. Around yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, she, <laughs> but from that moment, I was like, okay, I see what's going to yeah. happen here. And like, and it's so, the, so gratuitous. The part where he takes the dog food can and blasts that girl in yes. the face. I was rolling. So great. That and then like <laughs> and just the comedic timing of like showing showing Rick in the pool with the headphones oh, right, right. paying like that's that's laid so early in the movie with him just having these ridiculous headphones like 1969 right. headphones uh, just listening to stuff and then him the freaking out jumping through the window into the pool and then the fucking the flamethrower flame was like so good I like I. Uh, I guffawed <laughs> like in the theater. I was like, "Holy shit, this is not happening!" Oh man, it was so perfect. <laughs> oh, it was it was just a perfect confluence of events and like the perfect payoff to the, to the movie. Um, God, I I loved it so much. And to kind of backtrack a little bit, the ranch scene. Well, I'll go to the we'll, we'll go to the ranch scene here yeah. in a second. Um, the scene in the car before they get to the house. Um, first of all, perfect, like, Tarantino dialogue with the, with the, uh, Manson family members. Oh, that, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that yeah, be- before that there. Yeah, that was a really good, uh, oh, yeah. setup. Yep. Especially, like, did we just get yelled at by <laughs> Rick Dalton? <laughs> right. <laughs> and did you notice that, uh, the the uh the one that le- goes back and takes the car yeah. is uh um oh god what is her name in Stranger Things she's Uma Thurman's daughter um the uh Steve's coworker in the ice cream oh car. is it really yeah I had no idea yep mm-hmm. well it might also be because I had not started watching Stranger oh, Things yet yeah. when that okay yep I, well I guess I'll have, definitely have to go back and watch it in the theaters then yep. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty cool because I had like just finished Stranger Things and I was like, oh, that's awesome, and also just the fact that it's, I didn't know that you know, was Uma Thurman's daughter. Yep, yep. And now that you know that, like when you like, you'll see it. Like it's I, I'm trying to picture it right now. I don't see it, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'll go ahead, go back and watch it. Yeah, well, you'll obviously, see it and yeah. kind of hear it in her voice. I I want to say she's oh well, yeah, she's Uma Thurman and uh, um. Ethan Hawke's daughter. Ethan Hawke's daughter? Yeah. Okay. Um, which uh, Ethan Hawke had just the most charming, like, social media post. Um, I think he posted on Instagram saying, like, oh, I'm so proud of my daughter for being on Stranger Things, and she does such an incredible job. And it's, like, it's the most dad post right. ever. It's, like, it's so charming. Um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, can't wait to see the movie that tracks her childhood for, like, 15 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, anyway... Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was a great scene and kind of goes into the, um, 
tension and everything as well. Just like seeing them walk up the, up right. the driveway is just really intense. Even like the circum, like the dialogue is kind of ridiculous in that Tarantino way. Um, but going back to the ranch, uh, Bruce Dern, <laughs> that was unique. It, I wasn't expecting it. That was just such a. It's not what you were expecting mm. how that was all going to turn out. Right. But it was perfect the way it did. Yeah. Because uh, it was so unexpected. Absolutely. And Bruce Dern is fucking hilarious in oh that scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, who are you? Yep. Oh, uh, she gets... I'm t- trying to take a nap because she gets mad when I fall asleep during the shows. I'm like... <laughs> You know that was uh, that was cast for Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I was just gonna. I yeah. was looking up. I was about to look up who it was cast for, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, and then yeah, he Bruce died. Reynolds. Yeah, I think that would have been a fun uh, Bruce uh, Burt Reynolds. Me too. Role, Me but too. Bruce Stern killed it. Oh though, yeah, so. Bruce Stern's amazing. He is. He's he's a lot um, of fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Luke Perry's one scene? Man, it it was good to see him on film for the mm. last time. Yeah. 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 It, it was. It was. Un- an unremarkable role. Right. Uh, but it, you know, he was very fine in it. Yeah. Very small role, but it was just, it's fun that he's, this was his last movie. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good send off. It's a shame that it's such an early send off for Luke Perry. But yeah. I agree. Yeah. So it's, yeah. uh, that, you know, the whole, the whole cowboy scene in general or the mm-hmm. cowboy, uh, television show scene was great. You know, yeah. It's, Timothy yeah. Oliphant was a lot of fun. He was great. And the, the director, for for the show was was really good too. Yeah. I, I just the whole sequence was fantastic from Leo's uh, talk with the little girl. Yeah, and like she's right. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. great like Leo's depiction in that scene is is so good after oh, yeah. he gets done with the trailers a, yeah. out of the trailer. So yeah, that was that whole uh, portion. The whole scene was fantastic. Absolutely agree. And also uh, going back to Timothy Oliphant. When he's talking to him, like the, the way that we kind of get a glimpse of, of, uh, of, um, Rick Dalton, like, I guess imagining himself in the great escape. Oh, I really, it really uh, dug yeah. that. That was, was really unique. I thought that that was, I, I don't want to say it was ballsy of Tarantino, but it, it felt like, it felt like a level of, uh, surrealness that I wasn't expecting and I, yeah. I welcomed entirely. Yeah, I, I was all about it. I thought yeah. that was very well done. Very neat. Same here. Um, do you think, do you think that there was a lack of, uh, Pacino? Would you have liked to have seen more or was there like just well, enough? Well, I, I don't want to say there was a lack of or mm. too much or perfect amount. I mean, he, he was, that was the role he played and he, yeah. he played it well. So mm-hmm. it's not like I was striving or dying for more Pacino. Mm-hmm. What Pacino I got was, he did a very good job. I, I loved yeah. his, his character, his, his, his Hollywood agent. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Same here. I, you know, I, I didn't need a 50% Pacino movie. Right, right. So he, yeah, and, and that was, it's kind of the same with everyone's in it except for Leo and Brad. It's right. Like everyone's kind of like bit roles in the, uh, woven story of these two, uh, Hollywood players. Totally. So yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm o- very much okay with, uh, the little amount of role that he had. Yep, uh, I agree. Was Michael Madsen in this at all? He was. He was a very short uh, part. He was at the beginning playing a uh, one of the characters in the western. That's right. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at uh, the other actors in it. Um, yeah. Just God, I really love this movie. Um, there was. 
there were some uh, shitty takes <laughs> on the internet. So there was one. I mean, there I, always is. This yeah. Internet. Well, so I, I had a lot of um, messages with Mike um, about it. He so like there was there was a review that I don't know if I'd say lambasted the movie, but it was very critical of Cliff Booth's backstory. I'll read an excerpt from it. I found About it. The, him possibly murdering his wife? Yeah. So, uh, this review is from Bloody Disgusting. It says, quote, except for that horrifying backstory which makes him anything but a hero, I guess. You'd think it would be relevant or that at least more nuance would be revealed later, but instead Tarantino tries to use this uncomfortable knowledge to create sympathy for Cliff. We see Cliff lose work because the women uh, who don't feel safe around him protest as loudly and shrilly as possible, as though their concerns are somewhat unreasonable. Every scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Cliff in it seems desperate to let a guy who, intentionally or otherwise, caused grievous injury to a woman off the hook. Um... I disagree. Uh, I like, I really do. I get I get what they're saying. I just yeah. But in the vein of the movie, like it's this is not a totally ununique mm-hmm. uh, story out of exactly. out of Hollywood. So exactly. it's it's playing into reality. Yeah, it's not like you're trying to excuse Cliff for maybe murdering his right. wife because you don't know that he did. He probably yeah. did. He probably it's heavily implied. Right, but it's basically this is the this possibly occurred, and this is the outcome of what occurred. I, yeah. I don't see them trying to create sympathy for Cliff. I think you're yeah. just showing... Well, it's he, a piece of his backstory. Right. Um, my rationale for that is that it's not so much that he is a potential wife murderer. It's more that he is such a... He's, he's a person that is um, so low-key and, and wants to be that kind of like low stress kind of like regular guy thing that mm, I'm going to have to really be careful navigating <laughs> this. But like, I feel like the, where it's okay for him to murder his nagging well, wife. Well, no. that's, that's the thing. Okay. I'm not saying that he, that she deserved it, right. <laughs> but I'm saying that the way that it's presented, we don't know definitively whether or not he murdered her, but it is depicted that she is, like emotionally verbally abusive right. toward him and this has been going on for a yeah. long time because you know she makes a comment of oh so i guess you don't even have the energy anymore to to fight with me yeah and, and i think that's where the sympathy lies with yeah. him not with whether or not he killed her or not it's just the fact that he is this guy who has been just you know he's gotten the shit kicked out of him emotionally and mentally and everything and he just like throughout the movie he's just playing this kind of like cool calm guy um but to your to your point about it being reflective of real life hollywood yeah like when i saw that scene i wasn't like oh shit he murdered his wife i saw it as like oh shit tarantino is riffing on the natalie wood death right and that um, that's kind of what i thought every, the take yeah. was supposed to be anyway yeah totally even though natalie wood was 1980 but still it's the, yeah, still, very similar yeah. um and that that's just that was my takeaway and i kind of feel like people gravitating to that and trying to make it this misogyny I mean, that, thing. That, that was a two minute scene yeah, and yep. and for you to and for someone to just decide that that two minutes 
makes the whole movie mm-hmm. just a throwaway. That, that's a, that's a bit much. Like I get yeah. the point that they're trying to make. I mm-hmm. I understand their point of view, but yeah, I I don't necessarily agree that it's one. I don't think that that scene is supposed to make him sympathetic. I'm right. I, I think it's supposed to show the effects that this uh incident had on right. his psyche now yeah. so. and his professional life as well. Right, but also. There are people who have kind of grabbed that and taken it to be like, oh, Tarantino is completely misogynistic and everything and, and just completely hates women and everything. Which I'll get to one thing that I thought was like, this is bad. Well, crazy. you know, people are going to take everything to an extreme. So, And my counter to that is Sharon Tate in this movie, Margot Robbie. Like, she is an angelic presence in the movie. And I guess people were also upset over the way that the Manson family was depicted. Um, how like the women were like, depi- like the violence against women at the end. I'm like, that's, that's an on it. Like it, I, all right. So I'm, yeah. I know uh, they're there to commit heinous murders. Yeah, I'm not, exactly. I'm not going to be sympathetic. I'm, I'm not, I can't even meet you halfway. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, it's, it's literally, it, it's literally Tarantino creating a scenario where there is his signature ultraviolence right. that is in his own way saving and preserving a pregnant woman like you can't assign misogyny to that like not you, only that you, just can't. you can't take one scene of a tarantino f- film mm-hmm. and call him a misogynist when he has written <laughs> yeah. some of the strongest female characters in hollywood history uh wait until you hear this headline from time <laughs> uh oh, you are going to you're going to hate this, and I do too. Good. Uh, time. <clears throat> we counted every line in every Quentin Tarantino film to see how often women talk. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> uh, and what I loved was that at Zodiac underscore MF, or Zodiac motherfucker, uh, retweeted this, and he has like a thread, like just two tweets and his quoted tweet that's all caps and says, what a joyful way to experience cinema. Um, and, then, and then, uh, and then he goes on to say, I'd love to see their little fucking bar graphs on Wes Anderson movies, because as I recall, those aren't exactly steel magnolias. And at least Tarantino never did some bullshit short film starring Natalie Portman's naked ass as the sole draw. And uh, how's Edgar Wright doing on the old Bechtel test? Gosh, that sure was an empowering, strong female role for Lily James and Baby Driver, starring Kevin Spacey. <laughs> um, wasn't it? Cute, adoring waitress who exists solely to please our dipshit hero. Must be Meryl Streep was busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me feel bad because I love Baby Driver. Yeah, me too. But that was—I thought that was just perfect. And the fact that all of that that I just read was all caps was beautiful. That that's that's such a good retort. Yeah, you know what? But, I, I'll, fucking people are gonna. Yeah, they have a point of view, and mm-hmm. nothing can change it. And so they'll sit there and they'll dig for the data that supports it. Exactly, and, it's confirmation oh, bias, it's, it's, right? And, and yeah. congratulations, you mm-hmm. know, you, you win. Also, yeah. Tarantino is a huge racist too, because let's count the amount of lines said by a white person as opposed to a black right. person in the film. Yeah. So. Just, <laughs> And how many transgendered people had lines mm. in Tarantino films? I did. I did. 
I don't I don't think I ma- ended up making this joke when we talked about Django Unchained, but like I wanted I wanted to say uh finally Quentin Tarantino has has an organic excuse to use the N word in the movie. Um But I, I agree. Like the I don't even know if it's necessarily a backlash or I'm just catching the the shitty takes um just kind of in my peripheral per, um periphery. But it like you said, it's a fucking non like Kill Bill Volume One and Two, like uh, the the Bride, like talk the, about a strong female character. How about the female characters in the second half of Death Proof? Yes, Death Proof. Um, you could even how say about Inglorious Bastards? Yes, I mean there's nothing but strong female characters mm-hmm. the majority of his films yeah. one could even say that mia wallace is a strong female mm-hmm. character she's yeah. at least independent right. in a sense and like the, there's how about the jackie whole... brown for fuck's sake oh my god yes so i i this is it's mind-boggling mind-bogglingly ridiculous oh, yeah. for this claim yeah I, I just go get fucked yeah like sure he is fond of showing the bare feet of women in his films but he also has plenty of great female characters right um, also, like, the whole kind of the standby of, like, the Bechdel test, where... Are you familiar with the Bechdel test? I'm not. Okay, so the Bechdel test posits that, like, uh, to pass the Bechdel test in a movie, two female characters have to be on screen together and have to share dialogue in which they do not talk about the male protagonist or a man. So, like, that's the criteria for the Bechdel test. Okay. Like, they have two character, two women characters talking that they're not refer- they're not their conversation isn't about a man um yeah uh, i feel like that's pretty standard it, like at least kill bill um that's i passes it with flying colors to me um it's just uh, ugh. yeah I, I it, it. it's whatever you know yeah. so people are going to read that and think oh man what's a, a great point mm-hmm. most reasonable people are going to read them like okay ridiculous yeah. and it's like okay if you're if you're disturbed by the the okay if if you're disturbed by the depiction of violence against the women of the of the Charles Manson crew in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are you also like it's vintage Tarantino exploitative uh violence which also this is his ninth fucking movie if right. you're surprised Ye- by that you're you in the wrong fucking theater. Exactly. Like, you should know better if that's something that makes you screamish. But also, like, are we supposed to just not show... And, okay, I'm going to say this, and it's going to come across as as kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, privileged? <laughs> but... Uh, so are we are just, like, female character? Like, are they just are they always supposed to be just pristine characters that can do no wrong and have no violence against them? Because like the characters in once upon a time in Hollywood are there to murder right. people. Like it's for not, no reason yeah. whatsoever. And like, that's, <laughs> and that's also historical fact, right? Like that's like, I, 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 I would have gotten that point. Cause I did find it a little uncomfortable and, uh, mm. hateful eight, uh, the punching of Daisy Domagoo. Like that, that got uh, that yeah. got that got a bit rough. That got that did uh, that was overdoing it. Th- a little that bit. made me a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But you know that was also a prisoner that was not mm-hmm. doing anything except for just being a bitch, right? So, to, but yeah, but to make that point for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that, I, I completely say that you're for... you're completely out of the realm. There. Yeah, I, I don't. 
you're wrong. Yeah. And, and I kind of hope at least that the track record of this podcast is that if that were a legitimate, like, concern and everything, I feel like we would be perfectly fine admitting that and talking about right. it and everything. But it's, there's, it's not there. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it one bit. Yeah. Just, uh, those tweets just, <laughs> you know, it's what, whatever. Amazing. You know, Twitter is a cesspool of, of mm. ridiculous opinions. So yeah. follow me at obsessive viewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also at tower drinkies pod and at and uh, OV anthology pod. My brother, uh, he, he had a critique of the film mm-hmm. and I guess I kind of see where he's coming from, but he felt that the ending was a little bit derivative of Inglorious Bastards. Uh, changing, altering history for the for the plot of the movie, uh, which yeah. I, I kind of see his point, but I but on the other hand, my argument to that is the the Manson murders was a historical event that happened, and mm-hmm. Tarantino changed yeah. the dis, the murdering of the uh, hierarchy of the Nazi Party never took place. The whole part right. of this movie was a fictionalized depiction mm. of history, so. They altered an actual historical event. They altered hi- he he altered history. Yeah. So I, that may be a fine line distinction, but it's it's one I would yeah, argue. I I agree with you. I think and and it does have echoes of Inglorious Bastards just because of the right. nature of it. But I kind of feel like in Inglorious Bastards case, that's more kind of like wish fulfillment, um, and <laughs> like just him wanting to. Kill Nazis, right. kill Nazis, but um, <laughs> trying to do an Aldo Rain. I, you I, did I, great. Yep, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but whereas uh, uh, saving Sharon Tate in uh, Once Upon a Time felt more more substantive, like it had more weight to it because it is him preserving his, this era of time yeah. that he longs for and again it, it all might be fine lines but yeah I, I see where uh that critique is coming from but yeah. I, even if it is derivative it doesn't bother me in the least because I, I i just love the ending so much yeah me me too would you okay where would you rank this in tarantino's uh so i would for me i think it'd be number four uh nice. i think going Pulp Fiction, I think, is just always going to be my number one. Yeah. Django and Glorious, and then Once Upon a Time. Nice. So, um, I need to see it again, and I'll definitely see it again. I it, and it very it it could jump uh, mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards at some point. You know, yeah. it's just, it, I've seen that one so many times. Mm-hmm. So you know, who who knows? Yeah, with me. Uh, okay. First of all, I'll preface this by saying, like, I don't think Pulp Fiction can be moved as from number one. Like, I just, I don't, it's, I don't know how he can top it. Right. I really I, don't. Um, but honestly, I think Once Upon a Time might be number two. Yeah. And that's, um, that, that, I yeah. would have no problem yeah. with that because it's, I loved it. I think it's a great movie and I really can't wait to go see it again. Same here. I might go see it. I, maybe I'll see, well, I gotta see, uh, Scary stories you tell in the dark. Me too. This I, think, weekend, I so. think me and Kirsten are going to go see that Saturday. Yes, Saturday. And I think me and Tiny are going to actually get an advanced screening of Good Boys. Oh, um, I am conflicted on Good Boys. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I love that type of movie. They're awfully young. They. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Yeah, but I. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. It, their age makes me a tad uncomfortable with the subject matter. 
Hmm. So. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that can be another. Well, I was just going to say, um, did you see Booksmart? You saw Booksmart, right? No, I no? wanted okay. to. Didn't get around to it. So oh. it'll be a red box feature. Yeah. It's funny because it, it just recently. Um, let, let me go ahead and close out the review. Oh. That's our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And then, uh, yeah, I think we can kind of do like a kind of quick like thing because I have a couple things I want to bring up real quick. Um, instead of Popery, are you good with that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I uh, hope you enjoyed that review of Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. So anyway, uh, Booksmart. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny because a couple weeks ago they brought it back in theaters. For like a weekend uh, or two, yeah, and like my joke was that like, well, it looks like they're wanting to go after that uh, Avengers, <laughs> Avengers Avatar <laughs> uh, record. <laughs> but um, one of the leads in that, uh, Beanie Fieldstein, I think is her name. Um, she's Jonah Hill's sister. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, uh, she's fantastic. I guess I see that. Actually. Yeah. Uh, she's fantastic. She was also, yeah, Beanie Fieldstein. Uh, she was also in, uh, Ladybird. But, uh, it was just announced, like, today or yesterday, um, the next season of American Crime Story is... The Clinton. Impeachment, yeah, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm down for Me that. Me, too. Also, Beanie Feldste- Feldstein. Uh, she's gonna be playing, uh, Monica Lewinsky. Really? Yeah. I thought that's nice. really interesting. That'll be an interesting turn for her. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Booksmart's really good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wanted to see it, just didn't get to it. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, anything coming up uh, to close out the summer that you're looking forward to? I saw Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, did you? I, I did. I saw your check-in. I've never seen a Fast and Furious <laughs> movie. Right. Uh, what did? You, how did you feel about? I haven't seen it yet. It's so stupid, but fun. <laughs> it. it it was fun. I had okay. a lot of. I, I love The Rock and Jason mm-hmm. Statham. I IGN had a ten minute, uh, you know, refresher course. Oh, okay. On who these characters are and how mm-hmm. they uh, impact the Fast and uh, Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. So I watched that before going into it. But it's it's ridiculous, yeah. big stupid action, and it's a lot of fun. I I might I might I you know it's uh, worth it's worth the watch. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it. Yeah. Um, and I want to get it worked out. I need to text Tony because he, uh, Tony Troxel from Geeking in Indiana, he uh, watched all of the Fast and Furious movies uh, like over the last year or so. And like he, like I told him like, okay, well when Hobbs and Shaw comes out, you're going to come on and we're yeah. going to do a review of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to get that worked out, but um, I'm, I'm going to see it because it just, it looks. Idris Elba is a lot of fun. Yeah. Too, so. How did he do in an action role? Great. <laughs> okay, well that's interesting. I, I don't know why they don't cast him in more stuff. Um, maybe he just don't want to do action stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just can really only think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And even then, he only had limited action yeah. scenes. And I, I don't know how much nothing else that he's been in. Like he's in um, the in the British cop show Luther, but I don't, right. I don't really know if that's action heavy or not. Yeah. But any fantasy or anything? Uh-huh. <laughs> or no? no, nothing, not, nothing good that I can no. think of. <laughs> okay. They did play a teaser trailer of uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie in front of it. Oh, did oh, Tenant? I, yeah. yeah, isn't it just um, a shot of? It's it's really not a whole lot of anything. Yeah. They have the main character uh, who plays. Uh, well, he was in Black Klansman. Oh um, yeah, uh, John David Washington. Yeah. Yes. Is it now when you see it? Like, is it just like a close up of his face, or because it's like there's a couple of other shots in it, but nothing okay. that would 
nothing that gives and, anything away. And that's what I want. Yeah. I that's honestly because like this was your movie for him, man. It's time travel. Is it really? Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. Oh, honestly, shit. Sorry. no, that's fine. But uh, yeah, just I, I all I know is the title. Is it Tenet or Tenet? Tenet. Um, and like I, I would be fine if just got nothing more. Like just no, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do love that. Um, he like it, it's not allowed on the internet. I guess or something. Like he hasn't posted it on the internet. Oh, the trailer. Nolan. Yeah, because Christopher Nolan is like a luddite. Like he is hardcore. Like he doesn't even at least it's commonly like referenced that he doesn't even own like a cell phone or anything. Oh wow. He's like, and that's why he's like strictly like film. He not digital. He's like, he is super like in, well, they're going to have a 70 millimeter, uh, sc- 70 millimeter screening of uh tenant. So yeah. I think, I think that I'll have to, I'll have to go to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably will too. Yep. Um, anything else? Yeah. Uh, you saw Hobbs and Shaw. It was dumb fun. Uh, anything else you've watched re- recently? No, no. Okay, okay, good. And you're seeing scary stories. I'm gonna see yeah. scary stories. Are you scared? No. Okay, I'm kind of nervous because there's a Facebook promotion, like video or GIF that just shows like a woman that's looking in a mirror and then she's like touching her face or her arm or something, and you it's a close up of the arm or the face or the the skin, and it shows like a kind of like a pimple or something with the hair and as her finger like gets closer to it the hair wiggles and she like jumps back and i'm like that's ugh. i'm sure it'll be good oh me too yeah. no i'm excited for it but i'm just like ugh. yeah that's the noises i'm gonna make in the yeah. Ugh. Ugh. yeah good yeah yep okay well i think that about does it for this episode of the obsessive viewer uh i hope you guys enjoyed our review of once upon a time in hollywood and uh hope you guys enjoyed our Quentin Tarantino retrospective. Uh yeah, thank you again, Fekus, for indulging me in all of thank this. Thank you for having yes. me. Yes. Uh next up we're gonna have to do a JJ Abrams retrospective. Um and then probably another Christopher Nolan one. Uh so <laughs> Good. Just, Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh <laughs> uh yeah. a uh, couple weeks should be D twenty three, probably get another Star Wars. I think trailer. we'll probably get another Star Wars yep. trailer. So Yep. Uh, it would be really cool because I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, invested in it or anything, but it would be really cool if I just managed to avoid it. No, nope, I can't. I don't have that kind of self control. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. Next week on the podcast is going to be kind of special because we're going to have an episode with me and Kirsten. <laughs> uh, I've been editing it tonight before time, or before Fekus came over. Ooh. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Before Fekus came over, God, we need to get Tiny back on Obsessive Viewer. Um, it's been a while. But, um, uh, yeah, I was editing the episode with Kirsten and we kind of ramble a lot. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun one. So that'll be the next week. And then I think we're going to do maybe, hopefully, a bonus episode that is a review of Good Boys and Scary Stories. Don't hold me to that, but we'll see. So, yeah, uh, that'll do it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, any parting thoughts, Fergus? Later. Nice. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> and now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I had a Lego disaster a few weeks ago. Oh, okay, so and walk I am, us through it. So 
ironically, it happened while I was watching Stranger Things and working on the Stranger Things Lego set. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of eerie, and now I can look back at it and kind of chuckle, but there is... If you have, if you watch this new season of Stranger Things, there's a scene in the second episode mm-hmm. where an occurrence happens and all the magnets on somebody's uh, oh, yeah. fridge fall down. Mm-hmm. Well, the occur- occurrence happens with a thump and then all of the magnets fall. Well, as soon as that happened, I hear a oh, uh, from upstairs and I, I knew yeah. immediately what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I paused it, took a deep breath, walked upstairs. Oh. And I've, I've have most of my Legos up on shelving and I've had right. the shelving up for about a, a good year now. Mm-hmm. And I had just that night placed my latest set, the lunar landing Eagle one oh, set man. on the, t- on the very top shelf. Okay. And the very top shelf also had a, uh, huh? Where it belongs. Top shelf. Oh, yeah. Important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, next to it was, uh, Diagon Alley. Mm-hmm. So. Where it belongs. Where, where it belongs. <laughs> um, so from for whatever reason, the integrity of that first shelf gave way. Jeez. L- crashed onto the shelf underneath it, mm. which crashed onto the shelf underneath it, which crashed onto the shelf underneath it. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. That's me at R.A. Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. 
The theme music for the obsessive viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!